All right, everyone, welcome back to the Virtue of Strength show. I am your host, Coach Luke, and welcome back. Um, first off, I just want to get something out of the way, which is I apologize for my voice. I have been struggling with a little bit of nasty sinus congestion the last week and a half or so, so um, if I sound a little bit nasally, I apologize. Hopefully, the episode will be full of good information that'll help you with... Um, your training. So anyways, today's topic is about progression, right? So um, when it comes to your kettlebell training, there's a number of ways to progress in your, you know, given exercise of choice, whether it's swings, presses, get-ups, any and all of those things, right? Any and all of those specific exercises. Now, uh, one of the interesting things about kettlebell training is that the weights are fixed, right? So as opposed to a barbell where you have the ability to basically do something called micro-loading because you can basically make a barbell as heavy as you want or as light as you want and then progress in essentially like two and a half pound increments. Kettlebells don't do that, right? They're one solid piece. And uh, basically, most people, they only have like two or three which there is something to be said about that, right? Really having to master a given weight before progressing to the next weight, which is uh, one of the things that most people look at when they talk about progression, right? So um, the most obvious way to progress is to add additional load. Now, if you have a fixed weight, adding load basically means going to the next kettlebell size, which that can be quite a jump uh, for most people. Now, um, I wanted to actually ignore that obvious one of just adding load, right? And so the topic of this exercise is I'm actually going to give you six different ways that you can actually progress a given exercise that don't require you adding additional load. So let me go ahead and take a a sip of coffee and I will get started. Uh, I'm drinking black coffee today. What are you drinking? All right, so let's get into the first one. The first one is going to be range of motion, right? So this is always an interesting thing, right? So, And on any of these exercises, you don't have to limit yourself to kettlebells. I'm going to be using kettlebells in a lot of these uh, different uh, scenarios, but you could take these principles and apply them to bodyweight training. You could even apply them to barbell training. Um But uh, anyway, so we're going to use kettlebells for most of our examples today. Okay, so range of motion. Progressing range of motion could be something like if you're doing, say, a split squat with a given kettlebell and you want to go a little bit deeper. So something you could do is you could prop your front foot or your working leg up onto a step and then allow for that knee to basically travel down a little bit deeper. Uh, you'll hear these termed deficit lunges or you know reverse lunges from a deficit um, is typically one of the ways that I like to program them for my students and um, for myself. And that's basically standing on top of an elevated surface and stepping down uh, with your rear leg onto the floor with your front leg still on the elevated surface, right? So you're going to need like an aerobic step. Even like uh, weight plates or bumper plates is a great way to add uh, range of motion. Conversely, you can also shorten range of motion too, right? So 
one of the uh, big ways that I do this is when I'm teaching people the kettlebell deadlift. Sometimes, depending upon the height of the person, you might need to raise that kettlebell up to that person to make them hinge properly. So that's also a way that you can um, make an exercise easier. Say you only have one bell that seems maybe like it's a bit too heavy. Well, then you could also raise it up and kind of take a little bit of the range of motion away. So you can either increase the range of motion by you standing on a range of motion by increasing that range of motion, or you could also make it easier by decreasing that range of motion. So that's one way uh, that is a very common way of making an exercise more challenging or less challenging without changing the weight. Uh, the other way that you can progress an exercise is actually by playing with something called tempo, right? So how fast or how slow are you doing a given exercise? Um, there's merits to doing both, right? To moving slow and under control and increasing the amount of time that is under load. Uh, a good example of this would be like if you're doing a set of goblet squats, right? Maybe you can do a nice set of goblet squats for, you know, 10 reps or whatever the case is. And uh, we take that time and then we really focus on slowing down the lowering portion of the, of the squat, making sure you're really feeling every part of that range of motion, that you are activating things that need to be activated, um, and you're really, really making sure that you own every single inch of that goblet squat. Uh, alternatively, you can also do things to make it explosive, right, to move the weight fast. Um, you know, obviously, kettlebell ballistics are a great example of moving things fast. Uh, you can even uh, actually increase the amount of speed that you're doing a kettlebell swing, right? So uh, a classic example of this is on the downswing, instead of just letting gravity take over, you're actually going to sling that bell down and back in between your legs, really forcing a accentuated um, eccentric, uh, how, how do I say this, an eccentric or lengthening phase of the motion, right? So um, an overspeed eccentric, that's what I'm looking for, right? So you're trying to increase the amount of speed that you're throwing that kettlebell down and back in between your legs. You're really focusing on attacking that zipper and getting a nice deep hip hinge, maximizing the stretch reflex of the muscles, which means a faster down usually means more powerful up. Okay, so the analogy there is, uh, you know, imagine you're just dropping a basketball from uh, chest height versus slamming a basketball from chest height. Which way, you know, which uh, is the ball going to bounce faster and higher if you slam it down, or is it going to bounce higher and faster if you just drop it down, right? So, um, so that is a great way to add some explosive element into your kettlebell training. Uh, the same thing can be said for, you know, going from a grindy press to a push press or a push jerk even, right? You're progressing the movement, the pressing movement by adding an element of speed in there, but you're also adding a little bit of leg drive in there, yeah, but you're also moving that weight just a little bit faster. Um, so that's also something to be thinking about, right? Uh, get-ups are a great way uh, to, your you know, with your get-ups, playing with tempo is a great way to progress your getup, right? Owning each stage of the getup and doing a slow, slow getup is a f illuminating exercise for sure. 
And I think that's probably the best use of and the best way of actually progressing a getup, in my humble opinion, is, you know, not really worrying about going crazy with the load, but playing with the tempo, owning every inch of that range of motion from every stitch, uh, stage of the getup. So uh, number two is tempo. Number three is playing around with something called stability, right? Um, so in the kettlebell world, one of the things that I like to do to increase or decrease stability is do bottoms up training, right? So uh, instead of holding a kettlebell uh, in a normal fashion in the rack position, now we're going to do something called the bottoms up position where now the bottom of the bell is pointed towards the ceiling. And this works really well for a number of different exercises. You can use it when you're doing squats, um, you know, a bottoms up kettlebell front squat where both bells are in the bottoms up position is a very, very illuminating exercise for sure. Um, you're going to get some interesting, uh, core and grip and lat recruitment out of it that you're just not going to get from doing a normal kettlebell front squat. Um, you're also going to have to move a lot more slowly and demonstrate control through the entire range of motion than uh, you would be able to with a kettlebells normally held in the front rack position. So that's a great way to add a little bit of instability into the mix and have to force you to get tight and tense in places that you need to get tight and tense um, to accomplish that given exercise, right? Um, Another way that you can increase or decrease stability is by adding or removing a limb on an exercise, right? So if you are doing a uh, deadlift, for example, you can do a single leg deadlift. You can also do something called a kickstand deadlift, or a lot of times you'll hear uh, referred to as a B stance deadlift, um, which is really good for, you know, creating more emphasis and uh, either it's kind of like a middle ground between a single leg deadlift and then something called a bilateral deadlift where you have like a symmetrical stance where both feet are in line. Uh, so that's a really great way to progress at an exercise, right? Is, uh, increase or decrease stability. You can also think about like regressing an exercise by adding more stability, right? So, um, a good example of this would be squatting, uh, a lot of people don't realize that they, that it's not necessarily a mobility issue that is not allowing for them to squat down nice and deeply. It's usually a lack of stability in some, some portion of their body, right? So by hand hanging onto like a doorknob or, a um, a, you know, the, the rig or something like that, uh, they're able to squat deeply with perfect range of motion because they've added that level of stability. Uh, hanging on to suspension trainers, rings, things like that. So uh, increasing stability can allow for you to really clean up an exercise that seems like it's not really moving the way it should, um, and then allow for you over time to just gradually add in more instability and make your body work a little bit harder. So that's number three. Um, number four is going to be something called uh, grip or load placement, so changing your grip on an exercise, uh, which is very similar to going bottoms up, but, um, load placement is an interesting one, right? So with a fixed load, like a kettlebell, where you hold that, uh, kettlebell for the portion of an exercise is going to make it more challenging or less challenging. 
So uh, if we take a lunge, for example, holding a kettlebell like you would be holding it for a goblet squat might be a little bit more challenging than you holding a kettlebell down in the suitcase position, right? So, um, you know, playing around with things like that where all of a sudden you're placing the load in different spots on your body while you're performing the same exercise is a really, really great way to one challenge your stability. So it kind of goes hand in hand with stability, but, um, put an emphasis on different muscles that may or may not be getting activated the same way that they would be if you were holding that load in a different position. So, uh, load placement can be a really interesting one, right? So, if you're doing split squats, for example, with your rear foot elevated on a platform or something like that, holding two kettlebells or one kettlebell in a suitcase position uh, may be a little bit uh, easier and less challenging than if you were to put both those kettlebells up in the front rack position or in the goblet squat uh, hold position, right? So you're gripping the kettlebell by the horns or in the front rack position. Those will all change the dynamic of a split squat greatly. Um, so that's a great way to improve or increase the challenge that you're going to get and the mileage that you'll get from a single kettlebell or a pair of kettlebells that have a fixed weight. Um, the next way that you can increase your or progress with a fixed weight is with increasing the volume of a given exercise, right? So, um, you know, intensity or the amount of load that you're doing is one way that we often think about, but another common way is going to be by increasing something called your total volume, right? So going from a sets of five to sets of six to eight, or, you know, as, as high as you're willing to go before purchasing a new kettlebell or moving to the next, uh, sized kettlebell. So increasing your volume. Um, kind of along that that road, right? Uh, well, actually, before we go on to the next one, let me go ahead and talk about like what is an appropriate amount of volume for most exercises, especially within the kettlebell world. Um, I like the rule of basically 25 to 30 reps for half body exercises, right? This isn't something that I created. This is something that is fully 100% belonging to Dan John who basically stole it from the DeLorme and Watkins study, which is basically if you know what a set and a rep is, you owe that to DeLorme and Watkins. And that is three sets of 10, right? So you're getting 30 repetitions. So that seems to be around the sweet spot, but you'll also notice it a lot in repetition schemes of like five by five, for example, right? So you get 25 reps there. Three sets of eight, you're getting 24 reps there. Very common uh, set and rep schemes you're going to notice kind of hover around that 25 to 30 reps. Um, and of course, there's going to be some that kind of break the rules or whatever the case is. If you're doing German volume training, which more power to you is 10 sets of 10, right? That's obviously 100 reps. Now, uh, for half body grindy strength movements, that's a great rule of thumb, right? So 25 to 30 reps. Um, now if you have a fixed weight, you know, you can go as high as I'd say 75 reps, depending upon, you know, your, uh, you know, your patience and your skill level and everything like that. Um, 
the RKC Rite of Passage program that Pavel wrote uh, is on the heaviest day and the highest volume day is 75 total presses left and right or clean presses actually left and right. So that's a that's a pretty high volume day. So I mean you can really ratchet up the reps, but I'd say the bulk of your training is probably going to want to stick to that 25 to 30 repetition range, especially for things like squats, presses, rows, chin-ups, um, push-ups, dips. Uh, you know, all of those exercises are going to be best served right around that repetition range. So that's about the, the right amount of volume. So you want to basically progress from doing lower reps, 15 to maybe 20 to 25 to 30, and then beyond, depending upon how you know, much you're wanting to master that size kettlebell before going to the next kettlebell size. Uh, and then the final way that uh, we are going to talk about progressing a range of or, uh a exercise without adding additional load is something called density. Now, density is basically the amount of work per unit of time, which sounds like a really, really fancy way of saying that you're just eliminating rest periods for a given time, right? So uh, one of the ways that I like to do this is to have a certain time block, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever the case is, and during those uh, five to 10 minutes, I'm gonna try and get five to 10 sets, right? So if I'm doing a five minute work block, I'm gonna try and get five sets of 10, okay? And then the next time that I come back to that uh, workout, I'm gonna try and do six sets in that five minute block. And then the next time I'm gonna try and do seven sets in that five minute block. And then the next time I'm gonna try and do eight sets until basically, um, you know, it's basically me setting the kettlebell down, shaking it out, and then picking it right back up, right? There is going to be a limit to how, um, you know, how much you can fit, how much work you can fit into a given time just by your repetition speed. But uh, that's a great way to increase your density. The other way that you can increase your um, density is by adding more time, right? So more work per unit time. So increasing your time block and then just re-establishing that. The kettlebell is best suited for density style training. That's, I think, what it does best, right? Uh, in the form of doing things like complexes, where you're doing a lot of different exercises in a very brief amount of time, not a lot of rest. Um, it's very, very efficient for general physical preparedness, or GPP. That's what I think the kettlebell does best, is density training. So. You're able to get an ex an, a, a very impressive amount of work in a very brief amount of time. There's not a lot of weight switching. There's not a lot of jumping from you know piece of equipment to piece of equipment. You have it's just you, the one kettlebell or, or two kettlebells, and a stopwatch or a clock of some kind, and you're just doing work. And I think that that is one of the biggest benefits to kettlebell training, especially for busy men and women. Um, you can't go wrong with playing around with density periods, right? Uh, doing sets like something like EMOM sets, right? Where you're doing uh, every minute on the minute for 10 minutes, you're going to do 10 reps. And then the next time you want to do 12 reps. So you just increased density, right? So instead of doing sets of 10, you're doing sets of 12. Or 
you know, you bump it up to 15 reps, right? So uh, every minute on the minute is playing with a density, right? You have a set fixed time and you're doing a set amount of sets um, for a set amount of reps. And then you're just trying to continue to progress that, that thing. Uh, whether it's front squats, swings work really well here. Um, what else works really well here? I mean, snatches were obviously work well here. Uh, one thing that I don't think works particularly well for uh, density training is get-ups. Get-ups, uh, like I said, the benefit of doing get-ups is that you're doing them under control. Anytime you start to really play around with doing them for any kind of speed, uh, it really doesn't doesn't turn out to be very pretty, especially if you start to use heavier loads, which I don't think you really should do for the get-up there. I think the get-up is best done with a moderate weight for you know lower repetitions with a slower speed. My personal opinion, you don't have to send me a nasty email if you think otherwise, but that's my personal opinion. Um, I'd be interested to hear your reasoning behind why maybe you would want to go heavier with a get-up than uh, you know, really owning control, uh, but hey. You can email me at luke at lukeactually.com if you have a good little thing or hit me up on social media at Coach Luke on Instagram. I'd love to hear what your uh, case is. So, um, But yeah, so we have density there, right? So uh, increasing density works really, really well, especially with kettlebells. It's probably one of my favorite ways of progressing a given exercise routine is to increase the density. So the amount of work that you're doing in a given time works especially well for um, busy people. So let's just do a quick recap. If you're looking to progress without adding any additional load, you can play with the range of motion of an exercise. You can play with the tempo of an exercise. You can do things to increase or decrease stability. You can change the placement of the load. So going from you know, uh, front rack to a uh, goblet position, to a suitcase position, to a single-sided position in the front rack. Um, all of that stuff will change the difficulty of an exercise. Uh, you can increase your actual volume, right? So we're trying to go between anywhere between 15 to 30 repetitions, and then if you're trying to go on the high sides, you can go as high as 75 uh, and really play around with mastering a weight. I think the benefit there is playing with ladders because you can accumulate a lot of volume um, with ladders while still keeping your technique sound. Uh, and I should do another episode just exclusively on ladder training because I think there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, but uh, anyway, so stick to, generally speaking, you know, 15 to 30 repetitions, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. And then there's density, right? Doing the uh, more work in the same or uh, less amount of time uh, is a wonderful way to increase density and get the most out of a single fixed kettlebell. So I hope you found this uh, useful and helpful for your training. Uh, as always, if you're interested in kind of seeing some of these principles in action, you can certainly download 30 free kettlebell workouts for busy guys over 30 um, at the website getvirtue.com. Uh, sign up for my email uh, newsletter and uh, you'll be 
instantly emailed those 30 workouts for busy guys over 30. Uh, if you're a strong lady, don't be afraid. Uh, it's 30 workouts is 30 workouts, and you'll certainly benefit from them as well. Um, but uh, as always, I hope you all have a fantastic Friday, and I look forward to speaking with you cats next week.